Hello and welcome. I'm your host Tyler here with Nick. And you're listening to Makeshift Meeples, where we won't teach you how to play board games, we just talk about them. Nick, what are we playing today? This week on Makeshift Meeples, Space Base. Space Base is designed by John Clare with art by Chris Walton. Publishing was provided by AEG. Space Base is a dice game using the core I roll, everybody gets stuff mechanic. It's also a strategic engine builder using a player board and tableau of ship cards. The ship cards you buy and the order you buy them in have interesting implications on your engine beyond just the ability printed on the card, making for a different type of engine construction every time you play. Germs are deadly in space, man. I don't think I've ever seen a movie about that. I think every space movie has deadly germs. Or deadly Or they're worried worms. about them. Or deadly worms, yeah. <laughs> That's also a possibility. Hey, on the upside, uh, I don't think we murdered any of the names of the designers or art people. <laughs> we had some pretty straightforward ones. I was actually surprised there were so few people that worked on Space Base. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not an overly complex game, but yeah, I agree. I wonder, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind interviewing somebody that uh, works at AAG yeah. just to see how things work there and what the normal practices are. Because I would expect... You know, multiple people have touched the game, but maybe they just their names didn't even get on the box. Maybe they're uh, in the rules as a assistant designer or something like that. Oh, that Play testers. This week we played Space Base. Yeah. And what was it in terms of the genre? Is it engine construction? I would say it's a tableau builder. Even though you have a board, it's a tableau and engine builder. So what you mean by tableau is you put things on a board that tells you what to do. Is that what tableau means? Um, sort of-ish. I don't know. I, it, I don't it's really more about assembling like a group of abilities that you use. Hmm. Whether it's like cards that have different abilities that you can use on your turn or... I don't know. There's a couple different ways they've done it before. Okay. Yeah, so what makes this different from any other game of that genre then? So the closest game that I would compare this to is Machi Koro, and I'll, let me preface that with a lot of people don't like Machi Koro because there's only one or two different good strategies for that game. This game, there's a hundred different good strategies to try out. Um, it, it's not as clear cut. Like Machi Koro, there's basically, if you're playing the base game of Machi Koro, there's like one solid strategy to win, and if you can get all the mines, you probably win the game. So there's just like always one overpowering happens. strategy. Yeah, there's one completely okay. overpowering strategy, and that was sort of, in my opinion, the downfall of the base game. When they did some of the expansions, it wasn't as bad, but in this game, in Space Base, there's not one overpowering strategy. Like, we've played now a couple times, um, and getting cards that create points is solid, but it doesn't necessarily mean, like, you're just going to win if you only roll victory points. Yeah, so there are three different i guess tracking objects yep. on your board right there's victory points uh thing we were calling the and then there's coins or your resource that you spend credits yeah creds give me those creds and what you're saying is if you just space get a bunch shekels, of shekels that's what they are space shekels <laughs> space shackles shekels oh gosh i don't want to go to space if there's sorry go ahead anyway what you're saying is if you just get money to buy cards, mm -hmm. that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win because right. the cards aren't worth points. 
None way, of the things you buy are worth any points. Yeah, the only way you get points is by rolling them on the dice. We, we kind of didn't even mention that either. That's a big part of the game is you yeah. roll dice on your turn, you get stuff, you roll dice, the opponents roll dice, and you get stuff on their turn. And each card has an ability that triggers either on your turn or on your opponent's turn based on if it's in your space base or if it's been deployed. Yeah, I kind of picture that as like, like if you roll a die... That's you doing stuff in your base, but if somebody else rolls a die, it's like they're sending a ship to your base and you're right. getting stuff for it. Right, right. But you're dictating which ships are coming to your base. Yeah. I wish there, I don't know if there's a theme there, like if they actually explain what it's supposed to be representing. Maybe we need to reread the rule book. Well, I didn't go it through the whole thing. It might be in thing. there. But I did notice that there are, um, in terms of like the description of the, the ships that are on each card, yeah. there are different um, classifications like some are mining vessels some are transport ships carriers yeah but none of those actually mean anything it's kind of just like a theme but they actually went through the trouble to put that description on the box for each one so they did a lot of little things with this game that i like in that i don't think there are any two cards that have the same ship name on them i could be wrong about that but they're all like even the starter cards that each player has my card in the one slot had a different name than your card had in one slot than, than our other players had card. Their card in the one spot had a completely different name. So going to that trouble is just one of those little things they did that's really nice. Mm-hmm. Some of them aren't overly unique, but they're kind of cool. It's just nice they had different names for them all. Yeah, that's actually a lot of work, too. Just oh, yeah. If you, if you have 100 cards that all need unique names. Uh, yeah, it might be even more than that in this game. But yeah, there's a lot of cards. Because mm-hmm. there's... You think about it, there's... 70 starter ships because you can play this game up to five people so just there there's 70 something names you got to come up with that's very true and i guess you could like randomly generate them there's probably some program you can run no that's not a real thing there's no real random name generators tyler that's not a real thing oh yeah they have to be seated so they're the seed you know Um, anyway that's a lot of trouble to go to just to have all those unique names yeah i I do agree though with, with what you're saying about the little things because like you were talking about the starter cards, yeah, the background of the starter cards blends in with the background of the uh, board. That I you believe get. that's true even for the cards that you buy. Oh, because they okay. all go into a specific slot. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I I didn't notice until the second playthrough. Yeah, and it was really only when I was looking at the board kind of intently that I even saw it. But it's kind of like that peripheral unnoticeable thing that really does make a big difference they could have just put like a black space background and it wouldn't really look looked as good but it looks way better when it's got this orange and purple and greens through it yeah but then the background of that card yeah and then the background of the car that sits in that spot actually has that same color scheme to it i think there's a lot of like polish effects that make this feel like a final product you know, it's very well, elegant. It well, what I mean is, like, it's a it's a very elegant, simple game. Yeah. But the last 10% of them actually finishing it makes it feel like they did way more work than sure. the yeah. mechanics would imply. They did a lot of the little things just to make it that much better in the end. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. again, yeah, this, the gameplay itself isn't overly complicated. Um, but I, I agree. I think the little things they did just make it a little bit nicer than just a really straightforward good game Mm -hmm. and all the user interface on the cards is really easy to understand yep like they used uh for for uh whenever you roll a die they used a blue color blue background and whenever your opponents roll a die it's a red color and then whenever either 
player rolls a die. If, if it's, it's something you green. can do on your turn or your opponent's, it's a green back, yeah. Yeah, and it, it, that is consistent on all the cards. And, yeah. And I, and I don't just mean, like, obviously it's consistent on all the cards that do the same thing. I mean, like, whenever there's a different mechanic that works completely uh, different than another mechanic, mm-hmm. they'll still have the same color background so that you know when it works. Well, the other it's thing... visual cue. The thing I really liked is there's a number of cards that, like, you can put charge counters on. Mm. And some of those, once you deploy them or take them off your space space and put them into the outer space, I guess is what it would be, um, they have abilities that you have to put the charge counter on, or, on it during another player's turn, but you can only activate it during your turn. Mm. So they went to the trouble of making the box where the cube goes red, but the effect background is blue to tell you you have to put the cube on when it's a red so another player's turn but you do it with a blue which is your turn yeah it just seems like really smart aesthetic way to oh, yeah. imply what the cards do yeah and i mean when you sit when you think about it you just discuss it with people it's like obviously that's what you do if you're making a game but it might not be that obvious it's one of those things when you see the finished product it seems like an obvious choice mm-hmm. but having seen a lot of not finished games games that are in development it's not one of those things that is as intuitive as you think mm-hmm. it would be yeah another thing that seems kind of overwhelming about space base but i think actually makes it much easier to play is how they used symbols for almost everything mm-hmm. that they could so instead of uh putting too many words on these cards there's always a symbol and if there is words that are used to describe the effect it's always like less than maybe like 10 words it's pretty limited yeah they tried to cut down on the verbiage as much as possible Mm -hmm. yeah and i i I even mean like in the extent of uh if you if uh, there are effects that work on in different number of players at the when there are different number of players at the table yeah uh, they use a symbol to indicate that. Yep. And it's also incorporated into the charge ability. Yep. So that it doesn't actually like overwhelm the card. And it's yeah. really important to state that these are tiny cards, so there's not a lot of room on them. And I think all those little details really go into making it. Uh, I yeah, the cards themselves that are the ships, like they're about half the size of a standard playing card, which is kind of interesting. Like it's a weird shape, but it's an interesting choice. And I think. Part of that was, if you have 12 slots, like, the board itself is, you know, 18 inches wide or so. Mm. So it does take up a fair bit of space. And if you were using full-size cards, man, this thing would be three foot wide trying to get it done. Yeah. That just gets too confusing. I didn't realize to the second playthrough how much space the board actually took up. Mm -hmm. Every time I see a picture of Space Base, it always seems like the cards in the center row take up a huge amount of space. Yeah. But just seeing it on a, such a small table made me realize, like, whoa, we'd barely be able to play four players at this table here. Yeah. Um, if you had a smaller table, like a kitchen, a small kitchen table, I don't know how you'd uh, get I mean, five people around that. But We played it, so we played it one time at the store on our mm-hmm. big tables and didn't even think about it because you have so much space, it's not mm-hmm. a big deal. Um, this time when we played it, though, we played it on a coffee table. It's a, mm-hmm. I would say, medium to large size coffee table. And we had just the right amount of space, I think, Four people might have been kind of pushing it, just in terms of space requirements, mm-hmm. but three people was okay at a, at a coffee table. Yeah. But other than that, I think the game plays well. Yeah. Um, one thing I noticed is that I wasn't really playing for what I could do on my turn. 
Um, and I don't know if that's a balancing thing. It seemed like if I would build up my base so that I could play on other people's turns, it just made it seem like that was what the game wanted you to do. Uh, but there were a lot of really cool abilities that uh, only worked on your turn. Yeah, uh, it's kind of cool how when you when you purchase another card and then you you put that in your base, the card that was already in your base gets put into space. Right. And then that effect that it once had is now changed to the effect on the other side of the card. So my point is like you may build a bunch of cool synergies, but then you realize like oh that other card's better. I want to put it in this this uh, number slot. And now all of a sudden you lose that synergy. So obviously it's a choice you get to make. You don't have to make it. But it just really felt um, it felt like the choices mattered, like in terms of how I wanted to play versus on my turn or versus on everybody else's turn. I think it's very important, like, and, and this does play two to five players, I believe. Um, I think it's very important more so in a three, four, or five player game that you pay attention to what those ships do once they're deployed out of your space base mm -hmm. and, and tucked underneath it. Because if you think about it, on your turn, you're getting one roll mm -hmm. in a round. If you're playing with three people, that means two times you're gonna have an opportunity to collect from your deployed ships versus the one time you're getting from ships that are actually in your base. Yeah. And there was definitely times in both games that we played really all three games that we played really where I bought something that didn't have a great effect when it was in my base but as soon as I deployed it I felt like it was worth more than it was when mm -hmm. it was in my base yeah just the simple action of other players rolling dice for you yep. makes that different I guess red effect much more powerful than it seems like for instance I had a card that let me claim two level one cards uh -huh. So it was pretty much like I could buy free cards when I rolled an 8. But when he flipped it over, it changed to whenever anybody rolls an 8, I get to claim a level 2 card. Which now lets me claim things on the that opponent's That one has charge counters on it, didn't it? I don't think so. Really? Mm -hmm. That's kind of crazy. Uh, and it's possible that I never got to use the second side, so maybe it got charged on an opponent's turn. Yep. That was how they fixed that. I think that it, you had to get... If I remember, if it's the same card I remember... You had to have two charge counters on it from another player's turn, so they were red charge counters. Mm. But then on your turn, you could use those two charge counters to just get cards. Yeah. Yeah. But my whole point is that the effect is similar, but is very different. Um, oh, so yeah. it doesn't necessarily mean that one side's better than the other. But when you deploy it, again, you just have a much higher likelihood of being able to yeah. use it. Yeah, but that's all, I'm, all I mean, though, is that like sometimes the cards are balanced you know, just based on cost and roll benefit, mm -hmm. but other times they're balanced on multiple different effects on the card. Yeah. They might be similar, but, but different. So something else I think they did a really good job with on this game was balancing out um, essentially what you get out of a roll and the likelihood of that roll being rolled. I yeah. used to roll a lot. Of well, that. no, I understand what you mean, though, because we, we had a pretty long discussion about this, it seems, where traditionally the way statistics work is if you have two dice, you're more likely to roll a seven. Yep. And then as you know, you go out towards the more rare choices, you're less likely. But because you can choose to take the single die value or the total die yep. value, the probabilities don't necessarily work the same way. Correct. So it, it skews itself a little towards that one to six range more than yeah. the seven to twelve. Well, and it's it's even weirder too, because you can get like um 
a one and a three to add up to a four. So now all of a sudden your four, it can also be triggered by two fours or like it can be a total roll or a single roll, yeah. even though it is also normally like a single. The only thing that can ever truly be a single roll is a one. <laughs> or a 12. Or 12, 12 would be a total. You'd have yeah. to total two sixes. Oh, you're saying like you could get a one twice. Yeah. yeah. But even if you had a two, you could still take two ones to be that Instead two. two. Yeah. Or the two ones twice. So I, I felt like the probability thing, like there's so much probability math involved in this. You could really r rationalize what numbers are the best. But it didn't really even seem to be uh, that relevant when we played. Because the only thing that was very obvious is that seven was roll a lot. But then all the other numbers seem to range from like five to nine were the most. Yeah. But I mean, so that's where you have to look at. Yes, there is a probability likelihood mm -hmm. because it is a die roller. But that being said, if your group just doesn't roll sevens mm -hmm. and rolls sixes and eights, like that can completely change how this game comes out. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Well, my whole point was is that. Like, you can't just base it off probability. No. It doesn't yeah. really work that way. Um, no, where probability, I think, does come into play in this game, though, a lot of times, is if you're looking at you have enough coins to buy a card that's a 5 and a card that would go in your 10 slot, mm -hmm. all other things being equal, you would probably take the one that's in the 5. Probably, but I think the game is also balanced in a way that incentivizes... You know harder choices than that yeah like your 10 or 10s are normally going to be much better than your fives yeah using that same example i don't think there are like many cards right. that would go in those two slots that have like the exact same reward for the exact same mm -hmm. value you know i mean they, they that's the other thing they do that's really good is they they balance things out so those more rare die rolls have higher rewards for them mm -hmm. than the lower more likely die roll yeah and the only real like I don't think this is a negative implication, but the only thing that I really noticed that seemed very good is points that you get when other people roll dice. Oh, yeah. So red point scores. Because I was less incentivized to take points when I rolled them because I might have, want to, might have wanted to buy a card. Yeah. And now I have to choose between getting points or buying a card. But if I get points on other people's turns, just then it's, bonus. it's just yeah. extra. Yeah. Free points. Thank you. Yeah. But uh, when we played, I noticed that there was two different ways to play, right? You could start with limited right. resources or accelerated resources. Can you tell me a little bit about that? So they have the base game where you just start. And it's the, the base is how they recommend you do it, where everybody basically gets one level one card that they add to their base to get going. Um, and you don't start with a lot of coins. And honestly, uh, that is a really good way to learn how to play the game because then the first couple turns are a little bit slower and you just sort of get in the rhythm of the game um once you've played a couple times they have i think they call it an accelerated start or light speed start or something like that where each player gets like four level one cards and two level two cards you have 15 credits and you can spend them on those six cards any way you choose mm -hmm. um, and then first players determine all that stuff but i really like that version um, just because you kind of skip those first two or three turns where it's like, I rolled, I don't really have enough to buy something decent, mm -hmm. I pass. Yeah, it speeds up the game a little bit, which I think, you know, it takes about 45 minutes to play, maybe. 
I'd say 30, 30, 45 is kind of the long range, yeah. But you decrease the amount of initial turns, and those initial turns can be kind of boring. But what I really do like about the accelerated start version is that it makes you feel like you have a unique base. Yeah, it does sort start. of, yeah. So instead of having like a special captain that gives you a power or an asymmetric base that's different from everybody else's, this is a different way to give that same feeling. Yeah. At the same time, you still uh, you still have a different way to play the game every single time. Yeah, because even though you're getting six cards, you're probably only really going to be able to buy four of them. Three mm-hmm. to four of them, I think, is probably a pretty good average bet. Yeah. But because all of those cards are unique, the six cards I have are different than the six cards yeah. that you have are different than the six cards the other player has. So we're all going to have a slightly different feel to the start of our game. It's it's built-in asymmetry without it being locked in. Yeah. Which I think is just really clever. And I don't actually see that in a lot of games. No, yeah. It's a randomized asymmetry that works really, really well. Yeah, so I think that really adds to the replayability. And I think that's a huge benefit that may be overlooked. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, but I do think that other than that, I, I found that like in terms of the like the mechanics, they were so simple that if you were to just hand the cards to somebody, they would understand what they needed to do, but you wouldn't really want to just let them choose how to play the the accelerated start version without at first playing the um the basic version, right? I would say if they're if you're playing with a group of like pretty seasoned gamers, going straight to the accelerated start shouldn't be much of a problem. Mm-hmm. Um if you're playing with some more beginner type gamers, I would recommend at least doing a couple rounds or even like doing a start, play a couple rounds, reset, go from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to let them get a couple. It, again, it's a game that if you play one or two turns, one or two like full turns, you got a pretty good idea what's going on. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while, there's a card that'll come out and like you might want to double check to make sure everybody understands kind of how it works. But. They all are pretty self-explanatory for the most part. So, hmm. I've uh, I've always enjoyed it quite a bit, and every time we played it, I've enjoyed playing this game. And I don't think I've even been close to winning one time. <laughs> so yeah, we got smoked those last two games we played. And this is something that I think is sort of inherent to Tableau Builders too, where like I can have a lot of fun playing this game, even if I don't win. Just if I have a couple turns where like I get to do some cool stuff, you know, or. I have a bunch of stuff loaded up, and on your roll, you happen to give me like 15 coins and a bunch of victory points for some reason, because I have them all deployed out, but Mm -hmm. there's a lot of different ways to have fun with this game, even if you're not winning it, so Mm -hmm. I think that's always a really interesting part of it, too. Mm -hmm. So, I did want to say one more thing, just in terms of like like how I felt playing, Mm -hmm. because you mentioned that while you don't necessarily win, you still have fun. Yeah. And I agree there, definitely things happen on the turns. So I, I fe- might feel like I'm doing a lot, but I'm losing. Yeah. But at the same time, while that feels really good, I don't ever feel like, I don't ever have a, ex- a spectacular experience though, right? Like, like I never really do something huge. The big thing that you do is generally get points. Yeah. So it feels like points are more spectacular than the other things you can do. Because you, if you buy a card, it doesn't count for points. So if you buy a big card, it's not as cool as buying or winning a bunch of points on a roll. That's yeah. Just my experience. That's true. Mm-hmm. So what are a couple things that you thought were really important about this game? I think that the added replayability makes it so 
easy to just bring to a house mm-hmm. or to a game night that there's like a very inherent value to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for, for it being a, not a small box game, but a fairly small box game and the price point of it and the replayability you're going to get out of this game is just off the charts. Well, we, so we, I, I completely agree with that one. We counted the amount of cards just for the starting player, right? It was like over 70 cards you yep. need. But the they all fit in the box really well. Yeah. It's not like a very heavy game. So it's very easy to carry around. And because you can, it's so quick to play, 30 minutes, um, you can just bring it pretty much to any game night. And if people want to play it, you can. If people don't want to play it, you can play another game. Um, yeah. But it's, it's, it's never a detriment to bring. Well, the other thing about this game is it's the kind of thing, like, if you have three of your four people for a game night and one person's running late, you can pop this out, set it up, and probably play it and be most of the way through the game before the other person shows mm-hmm. up. Like, it's pretty quick to set up and play. Mm-hmm. What about you? Um, I think the replayability was huge for me. Um the fact that it is fairly simple to teach this game and very easy to pick up on it yeah, too is huge for me. Um, and the other thing that I just really, really like about it is the little things they did with the ship names and the backgrounds of the cards matching up with the backgrounds on your board make it a really pretty game to have on the table as well. Yeah, I don't think you'd ever feel bored playing playing no face space just because you're always doing things in other people's turns. It's- yeah probably one of the better finished products i've ever i've ever seen yeah i would agree with that completely mm-hmm. well thanks for listening that's it for this week folks now we're one step closer to my ultimate goal nick becoming one... a buff space farmer you already are a buff space farmer <laughs> you just don't know it yet. you're too kind one giant leap for board gamers kind thank you for listening to makeshift meeples you can see more about our upcoming shows on our website makeshiftmeeples.com as well as offer us feedback or contact us about games you would like to see on the show. If you enjoyed the episode, there are a number of ways you can help us keep this thing going. Share this episode with a friend. Hit that subscribe button so that you're notified of future episodes. Like and follow us on social media. And you can support us on the Patreon and Anchor app.